everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We are now knee-deep into 1993. We're now going to be discussing the comic book events of 1993. My co-host, John, will be starting off, and I'll be taking over the second half. One thing that people don't realize is I always, like, wave to the audience, even though they definitely can't see me. And that's and just I, silly. Yeah, it's, it's so weird that they do this, and you'll never know unless the fact that they just don't do it. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so you, you always start off with Marvel. I do DC and Independence, so go ahead and start with Marvel of 1993. Okay, well, since we talked about it last time, we're well, up the Infinity Crusade, the final chapter of the Infinity Trilogy, which technically has at least two more parts to it, so I guess it's kind of like the Hitchhiker's Guide of the Marvel Universe. Uh, it basically, the pure... I know I mentioned this last time, but it's like the good version of Adam Warlock, the goddess, uh, stole five cosmic cubes from the evil magus in the last thing. She turns it into a cosmic egg that can like grant wishes, and then she gets a heroes, she brainwashes them to serve her as an army, and she wants to rid the universe of evil, and it sucks. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, of these three stories... Infinity Gauntlet's the only one that's worth reading. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and then of the entire series, like, the five that I'm aware of, of these Infinity Gauntlet stories, uh, 2018's Infinity Wars, I think, is the only other one of these series to be worth reading. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you're interested in it, there's a lot of tie-ins. Uh, Random Comics just all of a sudden had a Infinity Crusade banner to it. I remember that, yeah. And it was mostly just the goddess shows up and recruits a hero to fight for. And sometimes they agree and sometimes they, they don't. And then they show up in the book. Yeah, I feel like this was my tap-out moment. I really, I remember, because my uncle, he used to run... Well, he used to collect a lot, but he was starting to run his own independent comic business, uh, like in flea markets and stuff like that. And I remember, like, I was—I had given up on buying comics myself, but I kept reading his. And I just remember on 93 going, yeah, I'm good. I don't need any more. Well, there's, still, there's some good stuff that came out of this year, yeah. but that wasn't one of them. Yeah, I, what I did later was around 96, I think it was the summer of 96, a small independent comic shop had opened up in my small town, and I started picking up some comics that were like dirt cheap or whatever, and then started expanding from there, and then I would go back on some of the comics. But I do feel like there's a three-year gap where I really wasn't reading much. Let's see. Well, did you ever uh, follow up on the Cable series that came out this year? No, I absolutely did not. The only thing I read from X-Men besides the, the normal series was uh, X-Force. No, no, X-Factor when it got weird with, like, uh, Guido, you know, and, and Havoc was the lead. And um, Deadpool. Well, we'll definitely talk about the Deadpool series that came out. But, uh, so... This series kind of picks up with the fact that in Executioner's song, Cable quote-unquote died, but people liked him, so he didn't really die. He, <laughs> Nobody ever really he, dies. <laughs> there, was a, uh, there was like a little bitty series that came out that, as I recall, explains why he's still alive, and it's stupid time travel bullshit, even though the series, uh, that was it, Metal and Blood, I think is what it's called, isn't actually that bad. Okay. But, you know, it's stupid time travel bullshit, and he's alive, and he's now got a solo series. And I mean, popularity armor really does a lot of work. But eh, the series itself, overall, is kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. Some decent stuff. Uh, I think it really gets weak once they get past uh, the Age of Apocalypse stuff, because that's around the time. And granted, this guy also had his own series, but. They brought in the alternate reality version of Cable called Nate Gray. Yeah, I remember that one being popular. Yeah, and he had his own series too, but once he kind of came into the fold, it, it was too much Cable. And uh, around that, by that point, I really, it's, it's not worth reading at that point. Uh, did you ever check out uh, The Secret Defenders? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That was... Uh... Justice League was doing the same exact kind of thing over there, 
with uh, Justice League Task Force, where Martian Manhunter was leading up a team, but he would choose different people for each mission. So you would do like a two or three arc issue arc, whatever, with a team, and then it would move on to something else. And that's what Secret Defenders was, right? It was Doctor Strange. I just read it. I read the whole damn thing not that long ago. Yeah, uh, Doctor Strange is picking. Yeah, but it feels like the difference between the two was Justice League Task Force was legitimately choosing heroes based on the needs of the mission, whereas I felt like Secret Defenders was like, who's popular right now but not being used correctly, like Darkhawk and Sleepstalker and, and stuff like that, you know? Ghost Rider. Yeah, like, like the first lineup is like Wolverine, Ghost Rider, uh, Spider Man and Woman, uh, the Hulk, Ant Man, Dark Hawk. Yeah. Uh, I think Mobius pops in at one point. But it's like, it, it was a decent enough series, but it was mostly a gimmick, more so than a genuine team book. Yeah, like I, think it, I think it only ran like 12 issues, and it was a big flop or whatever, whereas Task Force, I think, lasted thir- three years, 36 issues? Yeah, that, I'd say that sounds about right. Because, yeah, Secret Defenders didn't last too long, and it also is... Well, it's the defenders. No one cares about the defenders. Yeah, that's the that. Uh, there's always a team on the peripheral where they keep trying. Like they had one big initial run. Like defenders ran like 160 issues or something like that, and they keep trying to bring it back. Same thing for uh, Alpha Flight and the Heroes for Hire and, and stuff like that. Invaders. Yeah, got a reboot. Uh, you know, not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna do an independent one here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a big deal, at least for me. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, because she's this, uh, you know, she's a shield spy slash superhero slash villain-ish type character. And she was tight, you know, very linked tightly to Hawkeye, so much so that they had the characters get married. And then divorced. Or at least they were getting divorced when, in this issue, they're fighting Mephisto for whatever reason, and... They're escaping because they've gotten their ass handed to them. They're escaping and she gets hit by a, you know, straight bolt of something and is killed. Now she's back, right? Isn't she back? Oh, yeah, she's, but she's brought of dies out in this one. Okay. Uh, but I bring this up mainly because this is one of those things that gets retconned uh, because of uh, 2008 Secret Invasion. Oh, okay. Because then they... They retcon that, oh no, this is in the time when these scrolls have found ways to infiltrate Marvel Universe and they're you know, perfectly disguised that, for the most part, when, they, when you die, they shouldn't revert back to their original selves. And she had been, like, say, ten issues before, she actually got abducted and swapped out. Okay. So, so that one was a scroll, apparently. And she's just been chilling in a uh, scroll prison for however long it's supposed to have been between those two. <laughs> Suffice to say, a decade and some change, real time? 15 uh, years, I guess? Okay. Uh, let's see. Venom, Lethal Protector. Which was a pretty damn big deal because this was where they're trying to... Uh, uh, fix Venom's image. Right, right, make him an anti-hero. Yeah, now, it's, we'll talk about the, the big storyline with him, but, I don't know, did you ever read this one? Because I like it. I think I read a couple issues, but like I like I said, for me personally, Venom ruined Spider-Man for a really long time, because McFarlane was infatuated with the character, plus he was a big seller, but I was more old school with the, with the villains. Scream, Fiege, 
Bryant, Agony, and Lasher. What's also kind of funny is that they did actually outlive the 90s. You think they would have been one-off characters, but uh, one of them pops up in Spider-Man around the time the second Clone Saga begins. Okay. And then they actually all, in ways, pop up in one of the more recent, uh, I want to say, uh, some acts of Carnage, because that's the event from 93, but there's a Carnage-centric one that predated King and Black, and that's where they pop up again. But yeah, characters last a long time. It's weird for some of these ones. Hmm. Uh, Deadpool, Circle Chase. Oh, I did not think you said Chase. I was so thrown off. I think you said Circle Jerks, and I was like, do what now? No, Chase and Jerk do not sound the same. They do on a, more, a phone that doesn't work right. I don't know where your mind is. <laughs> uh, you know it's always the wrong place. But yeah, it's Deadpool's first miniseries. And he's basically... The mysterious uh, benefactor of his, Mr. Tolliver, who, if I remember right, was Cable's son. Wow, I totally forgot all of this. Yeah, it's like Cable's son, Tyler, came from the future and did stuff, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it... <laughs> comics are dumb. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, basically, it's he had he character died, but didn't really because it's comics and they need a villain to kick around a while. Right, right. But he, the the search for the the prize in his will, which is you know, everyone believes it's a weapon and isn't really. It's a zero unit, which zero. I don't know if this is the same character because again, anything revolving around these, you know. These characters in Cable and X-Force are all time travel shit, but Zero was a character that was part of the Mutant Liberation Front with uh, Cable's clone Strife and had all these like powers where he could like, teleport and shit. And I, we never really realized, I don't think we realized he was a robot. I think he was just like a weird silent dude for the longest time. Wow, I don't even remember that at all. But yeah, it's... But basically, it's uh, Deadpool fighting other villains like uh, Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut and Slayback. Yeah, yeah. And it's an alright series. But the one that follows it is the one that actually kind of really brings the character into his own and actually builds stuff that actually gets paid off later on in, in X-Force and and other comics and mm-hmm. stuff. Whereas this one's just kind of, hey, we got, you know, four issues to kick him, four or five issues to kick around. Let's do it. Let's see. Uh, we got the debuts of X-Men, Spider-Man, and uh, 2099 Unlimited. Oh, I remember really liking uh, the X-Men one because Ron Lim was the artist and he was one of my favorites at the time. What's funny is, these were meant to be, they released quarterly, and they're basically supposed to be like uh, in the, in single issues where nothing really, really mattered. Mm-hmm. Like it was just one-offs. And they immediately dropped that out the window the second that they launched because the two, first two Spider-Man issues are Maximum Carnage tie-in issues. Uh, X-Men, the second issue is the tie-in issue. And the 2099, where they introduced, like, Hulk 2099, kept running Hulk. It might have just been called Hulk 2099. So, yeah. It was an interesting idea, and X-Men was the only one that really worked. Yeah, well, I just feel like they keep trying to do this. They did A2, I think, for a while, right? Like, uh, with Spider-Man. Spider-Man's daughter and the next Avengers and, and stuff like that. Like if, like after the 2099 died down. And yeah. yeah. And I thought there was another future event, but I can't remember now. Uh, well, there's lots of them, but they're all almost all tied to X-Men. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Let's 
Let's see. Uh, just two quick ones. I'm just going to drop out. Thunderstrike and uh, U.S. Agent both get their own little solo series. Yeah, it's it's that was that weird period where nobody got mad. <laughs> nobody got mad when there was a new replacement that came in. Now everybody's fucking pissed all the time. Look, at one point they tried to replace Captain America. It didn't work out, but then he gave him his own spinoff. And he still pops up here and there. I just read a, a Captain America comic where he shows up still. And um, uh, Thunderstrike is is he still active? I can't remember. Or is he dead? Yeah, yeah he, he. I think he was dead, but then they brought him back. He, he's he's like in an issue of Thor or something like that, not too long ago. Oh, okay. He was the replacement for for a little bit. And that's why they changed him to Thunderstrike, because he still had all the like little electricity powers. And shit. Right, right, right. Okay. But all right. Maximum Carnage happened. <sighs> I'm tapping out. Go ahead and talk about it. But this, I, this is oh, when I was like, oh, no. No more. Actually, I like this series. I will state, I will state this, though. Hey, 14 issues yeah. is too long. It does have a lot of padding. Yeah, that seems like a lot. But uh, basically, it's uh, Carnage uh, teams up with a bunch of other villains, uh, Shriek, uh, Carrion, the Demo Goblin, and this uh, twisted version of uh, Spider-Man that's a doppelganger. I want to say it was from Inferno. Okay. And uh, basically, like Demo Goblin is an interesting villain because he's a demonic version of of the uh like uh, green bull well, hobgoblin really mm-hmm. but, yeah he sold his soul off to have more powers uh during the inferno event but what's funny is he specifically is a agent uh, like he's an evil character that believes in good like he's there to kill the sinners granted everybody is the sinner yeah so his, his moral code is, of course, very, very skewed, but it's, it's such a weird character to have kicking around that you have this, I'm, you know, not necessarily going, I'm the good guy, but it's, I'm the moral righteous authority that I'm going to pass judgment upon all of you. And uh, basically, Spider-Man has to get uh, Venom, as well as Captain America, Black Cat, Morbius, Deathlock, Firestar, Iron Fist, Cloak and Dagger, and Nightwatch. <laughs> Who the fuck remembers Nightwatch? Nightwatch became a villain, I forget, in what, in a series somewhere. Yeah, I don't even remember that at all. Yeah, I, because he, he was just some weird character who kind of looked like Spawn that they just had, you know, kicking around for a while. And I literally did not know anything about the character until like earlier this year when I was just been reading tons of Marvel stuff and all of a sudden I started kind of learning them like oh that's what his deal was okay uh that's weird oh and they made him a villain later on I'm gonna look at him right now uh-huh. no I have no idea who this is I've never seen this person in my life yeah that, like literally the only time I knew about him in comics for the longest time was because of, of Maximum Carnage. Okay, yeah, yeah, nothing. But yeah, part of this became bits and pieces of that uh, second Venom movie, and yeah, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know how much they would have adapted, but obviously not that much, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But, like I said, I actually kind of like it, whereas, you know, it's a yeah, editorially shave off two issues at least could have been fine alright my last technically three things but uh, Uncanny X-Men 303 was a comic that I had and I did not understand well I'm going to phrase this and then get the backtrack how I'm saying it's a comic I didn't really get at the time okay now I get a lot of this but but the impact as like how much of this I did not understand contextually because it's the death of Ileana Rasputin. You know, basically Jubilee is trying to process the death of a child. Mm -hmm. And I understand the death of a child, even when I was young. Uh, Basically she caught the legacy virus and died. And she's, they've been trying to cure her. Uh, Colossus is off on a mission. And 
this is a heartbreaking comic. Like, it just, it punches you in the gut so many times over the course of its, like, what, 20-something pages. And it becomes the catalyst for Fatal Attraction, which was the 30th anniversary event for the X-Men. Oh, yeah, I forgot what that was for a second there. And it's also, like, really one of the most important X-Men events. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But uh, So, Magneto had been thought dead from the first three issues of X-Men, the reboot. So, Fabian Cortez, this little douchebag uh, that was one of his acolytes, is out running it. And they're going around and fucking things up. And they decide, you know what we need? We need a Messiah character to, uh, to worship, to get my followers to uh, listen to me more. So they go after Quicksilver. But he turns but he turns them down. Meanwhile, there's this weird character named Exodus showing up and talking to people and trying to get them to come with him to Avalon. Okay. And but he will turn down some people and we don't know why until oh, they have the legacy virus. So he's only wanting the you know, untainted uh, mutants to join him for whatever strange reason. So, Ileana's funeral happens, and Magneto shows up. He crashes it, ruins it, because he starts, you know, doing villain speech, and uh, ultimately then causes a worldwide EMP that crashes everything, which then makes the X-Men have to go up to uh, uh, Avalon, which is actually Cable's old hangout, for a final battle. Hmm. Now, in this battle, Wolverine gets the uh, Adamantium. Ah, right. I remember that. Which looks so fucking painful. Like, there's two, we see it from two, in two different issues with two different artists, and both times you feel this metal coming out of his skin. Ugh. Uh, and the fallout from that is we also end up discovering that Wolverine's claws that we had all, you know, from Weapon X that told us that it was just because of the adamantium bonding process he had claws. Nope, he has bone claws. He had always had the claws. It was always part of, of who he was. And that's a big fucking retcon. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Being like, and that lasted for a while, right? He still has them. And, Wait. Uh, him, him, be, him being oh, uh, metalless. Yeah, lasts a long time. He goes feral, loses his nose. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding. It's really weird. Uh, it's really fucking weird. Uh, but yeah, he quits the X-Men after this as well. But uh, Professor X ends up uh, mind-wiping uh, Magneto, which then sets the stage for Onslaught. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Colossus ends up leaving the X-Men because Xavier's dream has failed him. Because his sister died, especially died when he was out doing something for Xavier. But it's like, all these things just started changing all the aspects of the X-Men. Because now you had heroes turning villain, in a sense, because Colossus becomes an acolyte. Oh, right, I remember that, okay. You have, you know, a big thing that you thought about one character is now completely changed and it's you know and then we now have our villain our you know the biggest bad guy of uh, the entire thing is a vegetable and our you know Xavier basically commits a war crime <laughs> it's uh some pretty fucked up shit <laughs> yes and then, guess what immediately happens after that? This is the last thing I've got. Okay. It's a Avengers X-Men crossover called Blood Times. I barely remember that one. It's not as memorable, but it is worth noting because it is kind of the epilogue to Fatal Attractions. Okay. To give them all this stuff about Fabian Cortez trying to get, uh, trying to get Quicksilver to be his, you know, his new messiah. And... 
because Vecchio showed up and then all this stuff went down, douchebag Fabian Cortez ends up on the run and goes to uh, Genosha, the apartheid allegory nation, and begins this civil war between the mutants and the humans there, trying to get basically have all mutants kill all the humans and create this mutant paradise. And he also kidnaps Quicksilver's daughter. <laughs> because he figures if he has her as leverage, Quicksilver won't kill him, and the other Eklund's won't kill him, because he <laughs> is holding, quote-unquote, holding all the cards. And what ends up happening is basically they beat the shit out of Exodus, come, you know, shows up, kind of sees what Cortez is doing, Beats the living piss out of Cortez, but keeps the Civil War going until the X-Men show up with the Avengers and they go and, and fix things. It's a mess of a story. Like I said, it's mostly worth noting because of it being the, especially the epilogue to that story. And that it, uh, the Avengers stopped being a, uh, operating on the mandate of the UN. Because mm-hmm. they were basically doing that at the time. And, after all the stuff that happened with West Coast Avengers, this was kind of a catalyst to, for them to end as a team. Right, right. And, like, the book ends after, like, another maybe five or six more issues, something like that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, two, two big crossovers, one of which we're still feeling the repercussions of. So, uh, what do you got for the DC side. Okay, so DC licenses. <laughs> this is a weird period where DC was kind of spitballing a lot, and uh, they would distribute comics of other people. And one of the big labels that they did was Milestone Comics, and that was the line run by Dwayne McDuffie, rest in peace, um, where all the main protagonists were African American. In fact, most of the characters were African American. And now most people don't really remember this line, except for one major comic, and that was Static, which became a very popular cartoon called Static Shock, and has been, you know, in the last decade, been incorporated into the DC Universe. Uh, he got added into the Teen Titans. Um, but some of the other ones, in fact, it wasn't the first one. Static was actually later in the run, I believe. I think it came into year two or three. It only lasted five years. Um, What's that? Yes, Icon, uh, which was their version of Superman. Hardware, which was the very first one, I believe, and it's the longest running of all of them, uh, was their version of Iron Man. Blood Syndicate, I've read them, but I can't remember what they were supposed to be like. I think it was more like an Image-style superhero team instead of a DC. Um, Shadow Cabinet, I don't remember. Zombie was a horror comic, obviously, from that, but spelled X-O-M-B-I. Cobalt. Nope, I got nothing. Heroes, I believe, was towards the very end where they combined all of them onto one team. And they tried to overhaul it with a big event. Um, I believe it was called Shadow War? Shadow War, I believe. And it just it just couldn't save it, so they eventually ran out of money and uh, later would sell everything to DC Comics. But they did, of course, have that cartoon that was very popular, which kept the at least the create the created world that they had alive for a little bit longer. I sadly never read any of those. I was aware of them because at the time I was reading the comics, so I could see the ads for it. I know I basically had no static because of static shock, and I had actually genuinely forgotten that he was a milestone character until I I think I saw read something back and went, oh, there's an ad. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, uh, the other lines that they introduced, I do not remember anything pr- from Piranha Press. I'll look it up later if there's something of noteworthy, but I remember it just being like one of those super, super independent. In fact, I would think it was like one of like the way Marvel had Epic. Do you remember Epic at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it was creator-owned, but Marvel would distribute it. That's, I think, what Piranha Press was. But they were going like ultra-independent. That stuff didn't fit in line with really anything. There was no sword and sorcery, no super heroic stuff. Uh, no real action. It was just very, uh, like, you know, the way that, uh, with the, the coffee, uh, too much coffee man and uh, milk and cheese, I think it was what it was. Like those kind of offbeat independent comics. Um, that didn't last very long, but the one that did last and has such an impact for them was Vertigo. 
And initially their point was to take some of their more mature line stuff. The stuff that you remember back in, we talked about like the 84, 85 episode where they introduced Baxter paper, which was supposed to be a premium way of printing comic books for a higher price that would be exclusive to comic book stores. Um, that's like the next evolution. Vertigo was for, you know, the mature line. This stuff wasn't really, I don't believe any of it was really on the stands. You're not going to go to your grocery store or drugstore and find the stuff. You have to go to uh, the comic book store or order them direct. So we had Shade the Changing Man, Sandman, Hellblazer, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, and Doom Patrol all moved over to the Vertigo line. Yeah, and of those, Sandman, Animal Man, and Swamp Thing were like my favorites. I've tried Shade. I could never get into it. I I can respect Duke Patrol. And I still need to watch that TV TV version, but uh, I've never liked it as a comic. No, okay. Um, I and I remember like the the one of the very first original. Like it wasn't brought over. It was Death, the High Cost of Living. Which was that a spinoff of Sandman? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. That was just a uh, one of the because there's two of them. There was a side story from Sandman. Okay, and then there was Sandman Mystery Theater, which, not to be confused, there's so many Sandmans in comic books, okay? So there's Sandman, of course, the, the bad guy over in the Spider-Man world. There was Sandman that was part of um, uh, the Justice uh, Society of America, and I thought there was another one in there somewhere. Um, and then eventually it split off. Like, uh, in the 90s, there would be Sand, who was just a, a part of the new Justice Society team, but then Sandman Mystery Theater... Um, was like old detective noir. It was set in like the 30s and 40s, but with a more of a hipper vibe, like story-wise. Yeah, well, it's like, as I recall, with the early Vertigo stuff, they spun a lot of stuff out of Sandman, because they had uh, The Dreaming. I think they had, they, they eventually revived versions of, but it was like House of Mystery, House of Secrets. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, they had a Lucifer series, which was spun out of Sandman. Uh, God, what else? <laughs> well, what I think is interesting is most of that stuff would dry up within a few years and then um, would be replaced by new stuff like Transmetropolitan, uh, uh, The Invisibles, and stuff like that. Uh, 100 Bullets. I can't remember. If, I think Hitman was... Man. What's that? My Last Man. Yeah, and then there was DMZ. I remember that was a really good one. So, when did this end? What, like five or six years ago that they finally ended it? Yeah, yeah, because then it became Black Label. Oh, uh, well, that's stupid. Yeah, I, I'm real, well, I understand why they changed it to DC Black Label, because then you can do more mature stuff with established DC characters. But it's like all these, uh, they don't really have, as far as I can tell, they don't really have too many of the interesting creative, you know, creator controlled uh, owned stuff anymore like Transmetropolitan. It's all something relating to a DC character, at least currently. Huh. And, yeah, and there's a couple of stuff like what is it? Uh, they had Strange Adventures, which wasn't too long ago, and that was pretty good. And which uh, was apparently set up at HBO. They wrote the first like five scripts or whatever. They just never went to production because they said it was going to cost twenty five million dollars an episode. And you know, with Warner Brothers, I don't, I don't think they really are admitting that they fucked up so bad. It's like they're doubling down. They they cancel all these shows. Fine, put them off later or whatever because of the big buyout. But they're also in so much debt that they can't even pay their monthly interest. You saw that they can only release two movies for the rest of the year. And that was whatever, Don't Worry Darling and Aquaman. Now, how do you fuck that up so bad? And you're canceling all these projects. You're not delaying them, you're canceling them. You're erasing them from history. It's the dumbest fucking move I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that new guy who's in charge really seems like he needs to get his ass canned because he already fucked it up. Well, he's the guy what cancels CNN... Plus, after a week, they invested like $200 million into it and it lasted a fucking week. That's just... That's, that's, I believe, you know, based on nothing other than uh, watching what this guy's done, I think that's his entire thing. I think that's how he gets his rocks off, is just by uh, coming into something and fucking it up. Yeah. He's the guy who turned, was it, turned Discovery into uh, all tits all the time. Uh, bullshit... Uh, reality show crap yeah you know 
It's like how Sci-Fi Channel now plays like Fast and Furious. <laughs> what? Well, that's totally sci-fi. I know, but it's some of the stuff. I saw something on the other day, like they're playing Lethal Weapon. Oh no, they're gone in sixty seconds. What the fuck was that? What that uh, Nicholas Cage is a real human being? We all know he's a, we all know he's an android. The uh, they're the big. Uh, Why wow, I tripped over my own fucking words there. Um, the big event over on DC was a horribly failed one. A god awful rock bottom for them was Bloodlines. Where these aliens from another planet, like, if their blood is shed and it hits a person or whatever, it'll give them superpowers, which is just a pathetic way of them introducing new superheroes. And I think, if I remember correctly, the only one that was worth a damn was Hitman. Well, there was, I know Gunfire got a series. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I remember that was short-lived. But but yeah, Hitman's the only one that was actually worth reading, and it's a hell of a series. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at them right now. I don't know any of these fucking people. I know Argus only because I think that she was in um, Titans later. But like Ballistic, Cardinal Sin, Chimera, Edge, Geist, Hook, Jam, Joe Public. Come on, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, I think what, Anima was one of them. Yeah, this is this is a failure uh, on all accounts in my opinion. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, don't disagree at all. Yeah. yeah. This- I- Yeah, well, I think it's funny is that back then they would do their big summer event in annuals. And it wouldn't really, like, leak over into the regular series. Like, the storylines later would, of course. But, um, like, I remember Lance's attacks and stuff like that. They would only be in the annuals, which they never do now. Unfortunately, no. It's, everything gets crossed over and has to be in a main book. Or they uh, go and just release all kinds of tie-in issues and it's just a big mess of... Okay, well, if I'm bringing this, I need to buy these five issues from this series, these five issues from this series, and not, like, main character things. Right. Just red fucking comics. The, uh, the other big event of the year was only really over in Superman was Reign of the Superman, where all the replacements for Superman after he died uh, came about. So we got a new Superboy, we got Steel, we got the Cyborg one, and then um, was Eradicator... The, was that the name of the cyborg, or that's eventually who turned out to be Superman? I can't remember now. The Eradicator was the one with the big sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, okay. And he was Superman, correct? He was... He's the only one that was flat out a uh, an actual Kryptonian, but he wasn't, he wasn't Superman. Okay. Oh, right, because then Superman came back in the black outfit where he was like... There's an issue or two where he's in heaven and Pa Ken is telling him to go back, so he really was gone. Yeah, Superman does die, but he is revived because of Kryptonian technology that he's basically the Eradicator is like an energy being that ends up being given physical form, and he steals the uh, Superman body to uh, you know put it in a regen regeneration matrix. Yeah, that's wild, dude. <laughs> um, we have the debut of a new comic company from Tops, uh, mostly, of course, known for baseball cards. But they went in on they want in on the action, people. Here's the problem: is they never could really create anything of their own. They never they were always just the what we remember of Tops comics is licensed properties, like the way Dark Horse had it. Uh, they had uh, Zorro, they had Xena and uh, Hercules, they had the X-Files. I remember they did an a- adaptation of Dracula. I think the most that they had was, they had some uh, writers, writers come in, like, you know, develop their own properties. Like, remember Jack Kirby had some that after he died, they found a bunch in, like, his attic that were half complete. And I think maybe Neil Gaiman had one. It was Technophage or something like that. Yeah, it was it was a huge failure. Tops had invested tons of money. They only last like three or four years. Later, the X Files comics would be worth a fortune because they've never been collected up, as far as I know. Um, but yeah, you're gonna see tons and tons of companies over the next two or three years trying to get in on the action. Uh, Bongo Comics debuts, which is weird because I remember Simpsons comics before this, but maybe they were published through somebody through somebody else, and then now Matt Groening's like, let's just have this all in house. Are they still going? I'm sure the Simpsons and Futurama comics are all done, right? Uh, 
Simpsons comic still. Really? But I imagine that they would probably be over with Marvel now because Disney owns Fox, which owns Simpsons, and they're probably not going to let them print their own stuff. Well, I know, I definitely know Marvel isn't releasing any Simpsons, but... Okay. But I will say this, you did skip one thing from DC. What? What did I miss? What did I miss? Nightfall. Oh, I didn't write that. Thank you. Yeah. The big, uh... The big Bane cracks, uh... Cracks Batman's back, giving him a wonderful posture and uh, a new outlook of life. So much so that he lets a new guy become Batman. <laughs> yeah, fucking Azrael. And his armored and his rage, and then he's got to take on the whole team of uh, the Bat World or whatever and uh, bring him down. He's like, I'm so sorry. And then he gets his own comic, right? Arrow, or uh, uh, what, was, what was his call? Azrael Shadow the Bat or something like that? I think Shadow the Bat came first. Okay. And then, then he became Batman. But yeah, Azrael did have a series sometime afterwards. I will give this Nightfall wasn't a bad series because it was basically a gauntlet of villains uh, basically breaks all these people out of Arkham and effectively over like a couple of nights Batman has, is trying to get all these people back which leaves them tired and you know unaware and that's how Bane gets in beats the living piss out of them yeah, okay yeah yeah the what follows you know with, with the Azrael stuff is in as regular Batman is weird because it's like having that whole, you know, everyone should, you know, you know, everyone basically I think knows that that's not Batman. And then he shows up in the suit in Batman 500, the last issue of this, this part of the series. And yeah, it's like, yeah, you, you definitely know that that's, that's not Bruce Wayne. Even if you didn't know that was, you know, like, that's not the same Batman. Right, right. The problem is, like, what follows is not that good. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'd stand by Nightfall. But that's about it. <sighs> Sorry. You call me the yard, people. Um, yeah, Night's End is rough. Uh, so, where was I at? Um, oh, over in, uh... Dark Horse, we have two major debuts, one that fails immediately, <laughs> basically, um, and one that has still much beloved and, and it continues, and we've had three movies. It's called Hellboy. What a wonderful, unique delight in, in the world of superheroes at this time. I never liked Hellboy. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, like, the movies are fine, and it, I think part of it is, is I'm not a huge fan of Mike Mandela's art. Like the weird blocky everything. Yeah, I mean it's each their own. I mean, I, I mean, like I don't like McFarlane, but everybody loves McFarlane, so. Yeah, it's it's not that I don't think the guy can tell a story or that the guy's a bad artist. It's just I don't know. It's, but it does. It, it is something completely unique to what else was going on at the time. Oh yeah, and I would definitely call it a breath of fresh air for you know for the time because yeah, it's definitely. Far, far removed from tights and fights and stuff. Yeah, and that's the problem though. Is Dark Horse is you know starting to hit really hard with their unique properties, and a lot of it is horror element. And then they decided to introduce Comics Greatest World, which is like, oh, we're gonna create our own kind of universe where it's fake cities that are similar to American cities. You know, like Steel Harbor was like Detroit and stuff like that, but. And when you look at the heroes, there was Monster, Barbed Wire, X, and Ghost. Now, I will tell you, X and Ghost are very good. Um, but there are others I don't remember. I remember there was a shitty fucking movie of Barbed Wire. I think there was one called Motorhead or something like that, and Vortex. And just, they kept trying, and it just went nowhere. Yeah, it's like, I, I know that years after, I had seen the Barbed Wire movie before I ever read an issue of the comic, and the comic is okay, not great by any imagination, but it's okay. The uh, the comic company uh, Malibu decides to go off into their own superhero world as well, and they debut uh, Ultraverse, which honestly, if you're going to talk about Malibu comics, which lasted much longer than Ultraverse, 
that's what people remember. I mean, they were around for like six or seven years earlier. But um, I think it's strange that Disney owns uh, Ultraverse. They're never going to do anything with it. We know this. They own CrossGen. They're never going to do anything with it. But there are a few interesting things. Do you remember the TV show Manimal? Yes, I do. Manimal makes an appearance in the Nightman TV show, which Nightman is a Malibu comic. So when Marvel bought Malibu, technically, <laughs> Manimal is part of the <laughs> MCU. <laughs> That's not true. I just made that up for my entertainment. But. Well, well, no, he should show up in that uh, new upcoming Werewolf by Night, so. Wait, say that again? There's, they're doing uh, Werewolf by Night. Yes. And Manimal should be a part of it. Oh, okay, sorry, I missed that somehow. Um, I'm trying to remember, there was Prime, which was like their Shazam Superman kind of thing. There was Hard Case, which was, again, their Iron Man. It seemed like everybody wanted their own Iron Man. Because uh, they were doing that over in, what, Valiant Comics as well. Uh, Firearm. Uh, Freaks. I know there's some spinoffs. They tried to make them a big superhero. There's Mantra, which is kind of like an Aquaman, I think. Um, prototype. I don't remember what he was. Yeah, so they really tried for a while, but then they're like, well, we're not making any money, so they sold everything off. Like, they sold the TV rights for Nightman, and they sold the whole company to Marvel. So... And they didn't even do crossovers with Marvel, but I don't think anything other than the... Wait, you know what? I think there was a cartoon. I think there was one of those. Remember how USA, around 95, had some low-budget cartoons they they debuted like on Saturdays or something like that? Oh, yeah, because they had Darkstalkers. They had Street Fighter. They had all kinds yeah, of... Yeah, they had uh, uh, Savage Dragon, uh, Wildcats, and I'm pretty sure they had an Ultra Force cartoon for a little bit, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, so that failed horribly, and, uh, I'm trying to remember, there's a big crossover with, I think it was Defiant and Valiant, called Deathmate, and I remember they pushed that so fucking hard, like, it was gonna try to reboot the Valiant universe and incorporate the Defiant stuff? No, it was Image! That's right, I don't know who the fuck, why are you keep bringing up Defiant? No one knows what the fuck Defiant is. Um, it was Image and Valiant, and it was a huge flop. I tried reading it, it sucked ass. Yeah, it's, I, I'm not aware of this at all. Yeah, it's, it's, I think there were colors. It was like Deathmate Blue, Black, and Red or something like that. And they were trying to have this big cross-company event, and uh, no one gave a shit. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to see what else here. Okay, Understanding Comics. That is nothing to most comic book readers, but it was for people who didn't normally read comic books. Scott McCloud wrote the book that basically made people like who were newbies or kind of on the outer edge of comics understand comic books because, like I said, everybody was starting to go comic book crazy. The only problem was most of them were in it for just the money, not because they cared about the actual comic characters. Yeah, that's they were popular. You know, like I said we had we talked about the spectator uh, spectator market and all that stuff where people would just buy things because oh it was going to be worth something. And uh, over now, I this might be wrong, but it said that they debuted in America. Uh, Dylan Dog was an Italian comic book that was very popular, and I've been seeing over the years. There's some inter- independent comics overseas that are a phenomenon, and they never really took off here. Um, but I believe this is when they finally make the American debut. And the only reason I really bring this up is because I think that movie is actually pretty good. I know it bombed horribly, but it's pretty good. And also, Cemetery Man. Uh, if you've ever seen that, is also based on those comics. Seen them both. And I agree, Dylan Dog is definitely an underrated movie. Uh, the last thing I'll say here is, surprisingly, one of the longest-running comic books independently <laughs> is Sonic the Hedgehog comics from Archie. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was a thing. It was a big thing not until not that long ago, because I remember... You used to go to Fred Meyer's, which is a, a, a big thing around where we live, these big department stores, and you used to be able to get the Digest versions. You know, the way they do with the Archie's comics still, you could get the collected versions of Sonic. And there was the British comic, there was the Archie one that lasted, it says here it lasted until 2017. Um, I remember Knuckles had a comic for a while, there was Sonic X, Sonic Universe. Um, I think now it's it got bought up by... Um, 
either Dark Horse, IDW, or one of those Boom Comics, something like that. So it's still going. It's just Archie's no longer in control. Yeah, if I remember right, I think in one of the issues, uh, Sonic talks about how he had to kill his own dad. Wow. Yeah, I remember the comic, the writing on it, and the art was actually pretty decent. I don't know if I don't know if Archie was in charge of who they were hiring or it was Sega. And you know how it is with a lot of these licensed out comics. Eventually, the rights to those go back to the company that made it. They, they're just hiring the company. Like Marvel was notorious because you know uh, Hasbro or Mattel or whatever that did GI Joe and Transformers and all those. They would just hire Marvel to create a world for them in the comics, and they would use that you know to develop more toys and work on the cartoon. Yeah, and it's it shows in a lot of those uh, in those comics. Yeah, some better, worse, whatever. Rom being one of the weirdest ones because somehow Marvel finagled it that they could own the rights to their the main villain, the Wraiths, but not Rom, which is bizarre. Now Rom is owned by Hasbro, um, but they're not the original company that created Rom, which is Remco. Who the fuck has the original issues? That's what I want to know because I love that comic and I want to see uh, some trade paperbacks of it, damn it. Yeah, or the Darkman comics. Those were good. Well, the Doctor Who is actually tied into, uh, uh, what was it, the Death's Head. Oh, Death. oh, okay. Because he was, he was, he, he was introduced in Transformers, and then he ends, uh, oh, and also uh, Technet from, uh, in Excalibur is also, they're villains from uh, Doctor Who as well. Okay. But it's like, yeah, he ends up getting dropped off in the past that's it gets dropped off in the past by I think the Tom Baker doctor <laughs> and and that's why he's now a MCU character is because of Doctor Who alright so that is the end of my list and uh, where can we find you online John I am on Twitter you can find me with the name musician spelled M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N all right, and then we're on Facebook, Twitter, podcast host is Hit Rewind. And thank you, John, and everybody have a good whatever. See you all later.